Hi, welcome to Business Success Podcast. Um, today you've got me, James, instead of Adriana. Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan. He, we're um, father and son. Luckily, uh, can't really say. <laughs> resemblance isn't there. Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about what, you, what questions you're going to ask, actually. Yeah. A little bit, uh, going to be very unusual for me. Yeah, well, we're having a good chat on the way in, actually, weren't we? And like, um, you know, we're sort of just talking about like, um, you know, new business owners getting into like uh, an unknown marketplace. Like, let's just dive straight in. Like, what would be, for, for a new business owner, once they have a new business, what is the best way for him to sort of get into a new market? Mm-hmm. Really good question. So um, I think on this one, because it is a father and son podcast, I'm going to talk about stuff that you might know know something about, yeah. uh, although you were very young at the time. But um, example really is is um, the farm, yeah. like your uncle. Mm. And, um, uh, and I was never brought up on a farm at all. And yeah. I was working up in Nottingham, uh, managing really great business, having a fantastic time. Whereas my brother and my father were... were, were, were um, they come out of what they did. My, my father came out of the forces and so forth, and my brother uh, joined him into a farming uh, venture that started in mm. Shropshire with a pig farm and ended up in, in Cornwall yeah. with a dairy farm. And so what they did was they they were um, uh, they had about 70-odd uh, pedigree British, re- uh, British region animals and so forth. 70? 70. 70-odd, <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. And, but it's not a lot, actually. Uh, you can't make a living out of that these days. Oh, right? Okay. And... Um, and so, unfortunately, what happened was that he got diagnosed with uh, with cancer, and um, obviously that got me involved. Yeah. Because my parents didn't want to give up the farm; they didn't want to change direction at all, uh, uh, but they wanted the the farm to continue. Mm. And so, putting my, on my business hat, I was thinking to myself, "Well, we need to check to see if this is is viable." And so the first thing you do when you look at a, a business, and I had no previous knowledge about farming. I've never been brought up on a farm. Wow. I knew nothing about cows and pigs and sheep and all that sort of yeah. stuff. So the first thing I did was, um, was, and I, this is when you take on any new enterprise where you've got very little information, mm. I did my market research. And, um, and I looked at the finances of the business. And I've got to say, James, they weren't attractive. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked at the hours, right. right, that you'd have to do to be a farmer. And that was less attractive. What was that like? Um, well, it's like seven days a week, yeah. you know, and my brother was getting up at four in the morning and he was working till eight, nine o'clock at night, seven Yikes. days a week. <laughs> and then I sort of asked my, my, my brother, how many days holiday do you get a year? Holiday, he said, we don't take holiday. And I thought, this is not a business I want to be. So I never wanted to go into farming. So I had, I came up with a solution, right, of if I could understand how the farm operated, mm. I could put a farm manager in, couldn't I? Yeah. And stay in Nottingham, which was a great city. Because you were already in business for, for, for a while before yeah. going into the farming, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, from the age of 25, I've been managing businesses around the country. And I was pretty well settled in Nottingham, to be honest, mm. which um, I had great friends, a great social life and so forth. Yeah. And what I wasn't prepared to do is swap that fun side of my life for the isolation of going into farming. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for me, I had to think about, okay, I've got to look at this as a business, you yeah. know, and um, is it something that I want to do? And, and the answer was no. Okay, so the first thing you need to do, and, and what I did was I looked at the, um, the market. I looked at the finances 
Um, I looked at actually what the workload was. Mm. I looked at the people uh, operating the business. Um, I looked at the, the quality of the cows. I looked at, in actual fact, uh, the land as well. Um, could it sustain the number of animals it had? And, um, and the thing was, as I was like investigating all this, obviously my brother was was getting further ill yeah. and he was going in and out of hospital. And I thought, time's not on my side. So every weekend... Um, I used to come down from Nottingham onto the farm uh, down in Cornwall and um, and just go through with him the basic stuff. Because what I found really quickly was he knew how to operate the farm yeah, and he was a technician on the farm. So he knew everything about everything. No one else did, not even my father. So I'm thinking, what if the worst scenario, And because I never thought he'd die. You know, I always thought, he, you know, you never think your brother's going to die. No, you no. think he's going to go, you know, live forever, for instance. He was three years older, older than, me, than me at the time. And uh, and he was at the age of 30. So the thing was that um, I sort of like followed him around the farm. And I'll be honest, it was like getting blood out of, you know, water. What is it, blood out the of blood stone? Blood out of stone. Yeah, blood out of a stone, really. Because he had the mentality that if he knew it, yeah. I should know it. But I knew nothing about farming. So I had this little little book and as I was going around so how do you do this how do you do that how do you do this how do you do that and it was simple things about like how do you prepare for milking how do you milk what do you look out for milking how do you feel it feed the animals Gee, so every weekend you would travel down from Nottingham to, to Cornwall and just follow him around so you do your normal work on the weekend you travel down write everything down on how to do it so you'd write down all the operations of how how it functioned then, how it operated. Everything, everything, even the finances, you know, who do you buy what from? Who do you get your silage made by? When do you make your silage? You know, and yeah. all this sort of stuff. And I put it into an operations manu- manual. Okay. All right. Uh, so everything you did as a technician, you could do, but there were other things he could not teach me because they weren't happening at that time. It could be things like mastitis or foot trimming or dehorning or carving or if a cow's got calcium deficiency there's stuff that he couldn't teach me because they weren't happening at the weekends when I came down so the thing was that I had this operation manual which is great I looked at the finances and I looked at the business and eventually uh, when he did unfortunately die um, the problem came to me and despite me trying to encourage my parents to sell up and get out of farming they wouldn't and um, and I just felt like I had to do a family commitment. So I gave up my, my dream job in, in Nottingham, came onto the farm and, um, and literally had the plan of, actu- of actually running the business. So yeah. I completely knew the technical side of it. So I could put in a, a, um, um, a farm manager so I could go back to what I loved, working commercials mm-hmm. and, and so forth like that. Well, unfortunately, I got through, to cut a long story short, I got through three farm managers, all right, who were very good at the job, were ideal, uh, ideally picked to actually run the farm. But unfortunately, my, my parents always found a fault with them. Yeah, I was going to say three. <laughs> and, <laughs> so and they, you only won, right? Yeah, and, and they couldn't really, they couldn't get, they couldn't really get on with my parents nitpicking for yeah. certain things about they did that wrong or they did this right and you know and and in the end so I took over the running of the farm you know 100% and and that was really really hard to be honest um because you come out down into into Cornwall I'm not Cornish okay you got no friends yeah you've got um no life uh, I wasn't even married so I not met your mother then you know so uh it was like coming into a 
island mm. uh, of isolation. Yeah. And then I sort of re-looked at the business and um, I thought to myself, how can I reduce the operating costs of the business and grow? So one of the things I did was I thought, well, I'm paying too much money for concentrated food that I'm, I'm giving, feeding the animals. So how could I give them more silage? So on that basis, I bought another 50 acres of land and uh, to give myself more silage over the winter and in days like we're going through a drought a little bit aren't we and so forth and probably the grass is not as nutritious as it should be that's quite scary isn't it sort of like taking sort of like spending to to then benefit yourself later on yeah but i mean it was an investment it was an investment so i I bid for this this 50 acres of land and because it, it worked that in actual fact, I came into the, the bidding room. No one knew me. And um, I just came into the bid and I, I, I sort of like slowed the whole bidding up because <laughs> no one actually knew who the heck is this new bidder coming in. <laughs> so I got it at quite a good price, uh, to be okay, honest. Yeah. Good. Uh, then, but what happened was by actually giving the cows more silage than concentrates, um, I was actually saving myself something like £50,000 a year. Jeez. And this was back in the 90s, because the period we're talking about when I took over the farm was 1991. And unfortunately, and through no fault of myself, I happened to pick the worst 10 years in farming history for dairy farmers, when there was the breakup of Milkmark, um, they had BSC, foot and mouth, um, everything. And we saw the price of milk. When I took over the farm, the price of milk was something like 32p a litre. Yeah. By the time I exited it, it dropped to 14p a litre, which is actually below the cost of a bottle of water. Wow. You know, and it just wasn't sustainable. And in that time, because I looked at it and I thought, right, I need to get my costs down. So I I bought more land to reduce my my concentrates. Um, The first year, I invested a, a lot of money in veterinary services who taught me how to carve, dehorn, foot trim, do mastitis, deal with a cow that goes down with calcium deficiency and any other problem. Because like business, you've got to look after your people. Mm. And certainly, okay, I, I had a, a couple of people working for me and I did look after them and they they they, they stayed with me long term, which was great. But you, you have to look after the animals yeah. as well, you know, because if you don't, they're not going to perform for you. Because they're, you your, they're your real cash flow really, aren't they? They are your cash flow, you know, and... Um, and if you if you look after your animals, they will look after you. And so we never ever um, we never o- o- made them overproduce. They stayed longer with us, so they had a longer life with us um, than most Holsteins. You, you see the great big black and white Holstein cows. So ours were just pedigree British regions, which were smaller. And we increased the herd from um, it was seventy odd, okay, in that period to um, over two hundred forty. And despite actually doing all that expansion and all that increase, it still wasn't a viable business when the price of milk dropped down to 14p a litre. But you could, but because you obviously follow around the veterinary people, and uh, I don't know if that's the right term. Yeah, yeah, they're the vets. The, yeah. The, yeah, the veterinary people. <laughs> um, but you, you were able to sort of cut down on those costs as well, obviously, because you were able to see how, how, how to do it yourself. I mean, Obviously, there were things you wouldn't be able to do, but you could do a lot of it yourself, right? Well, the biggest difficulty is, like, it was going into a new business, okay, and I had no proper technicians. I just had some people who could milk and some people who can clean up the yards. 
I had no technical expertise. Mm. So I actually thought, right, instead of paying for these experts to come onto the farm, which would actually cripple us, I need to learn how to do the technical work. The idea is, um, if we were able to carry on farming, I would have been able to pass that technical ability on to someone else. Yeah. Okay. But on this occasion, I had to be the technician. And that's not always the best thing to be in the business because that's very time consuming. So I even got myself qualified as a, a artificial inseminator. <laughs> right. So I was doing everything on uh, the farm. Ke- ke- okay. Careful with this guy. So. <laughs> it's going to stay where it is (laughs) but I mean the the beauty of it is um, and you can relate that to business because in actual fact I was able to improve the conversion rate of female calves because obviously you can't milk a bull so a male calf you know so so (laughs) obviously but but I was able to actually because I was taking it all in house I was actually able to improve the percentage of female calves on the farm I was able to actually reduce um, um, any problems when it came to carving. Over a 10-year period, I only had one calf die on me. Wow. Uh, because I, I, I created a system where, uh, um, uh, like a maternity ward, yeah. that was close to the house. So we didn't have CTV cameras. and I wish we did, to be honest. You know, But literally, if I knew a cow was going to, due to carving... You know, I was on it. I was making sure that, you know, I was there or thereabouts and, and all that sort of stuff. So we did a lot on that farm. And you, I know you knew the farm because I used to bring you on there oh, when yeah, you were, you when you're little. When I yeah. used to put you on my back as no, in my was... rucksack and, you know, and uh, go around and you saw a lot happening yeah, as, a, lot as a little farm. little kid, you know, and even let you drive the tractor. Oh, yeah, you, you know, And um, I'd sit on the uh, on the step and uh, you yeah. used to cut the weeds for me and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I mean, but, but, but I'm... I, I just wanted to sort of say, I remember one of the stories, I mean, I, I, this is a bit off topic about you helping, like just we were talking about, uh, you know, uh, calfing cows and stuff like that, about when you saw the, you, you were driving along, you know, and you, and you saw the cow in the field and uh, just, I know you know what I'm talking about. I don't know what the relevance of this is. <laughs> a, bit, a bit of insane. <laughs> well, uh, just, just, just could it go through that. What happened with that one? Well, yeah, this was when I was in Nottingham. I was coming to see, yeah. see uh, uh, help on the farm at the weekends and stuff like that. And unfortunately, my brother wasn't on the farm. He'd gone to hospital for treatment. And my dad was, he was somewhere in the house. Mm-hmm. And I was driving. I'd come straight from a client up in Nottingham. So I had a brand new company car. Yeah. I had a nice new suit on. Uh-huh. I drove into the farm and driving along the lane, I saw a I saw a cow that was detached from the rest of the herd, and that is a warning sign that something's happening there. And I could see it sort of uh, moving its head left and right, uh, lying down. So I thought, well, it's obviously in stress in some way. Mm. So. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I say anymore, but the thing was, I got out of the car, had a look. I could tell from a long distance away that it was having trouble carving, yeah. you know. So what did you do? And, um, well, I couldn't, well, I, I had the options. Go to the house, get changed, or... That would take time. That would take time. And time, when a cow is carving, it's, be it's quick. of the essence. So, it's yeah, got to be quick. So I actually stripped right down to my underpants. <laughs> <laughs> I ran across the field and um barefoot which is yeah, not a great deal no. when it's, it's full of cow pats and that, everywhere and stuff like that got to the got to the cow and um and the calf it was trying to it was trying to uh it was trying to um um you know give birth yeah. and so forth but i noticed the placenta was wrapped around the nose of the calf right. and obviously the feet were stuck so i had to push the calf back in 
and then pull the calf out. And eventually, when I pulled it out, you know, it came with a whoosh and all the guts and placenta, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I was covered in mush, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So I couldn't get back to the car. So, you know, I couldn't get in the car because yeah. I was I was completely covered in grass, mud, yeah. uh, you know, um, cow pats, you know, placenta, goodness stuff. So I went, I went to see... Um, um, your grandfather. Yeah. All right. Knocked on the door because I wanted a bucket of hot water. He nearly had a heart attack <laughs> because I looked like roadkill, you know. And um, and and that was it. I got cleaned up. But so I'm, it's fair to say that you're quite hands on with, uh, with with business. I'm very, though, and, and that's and that's the same. It's the same with the RHR and yeah. marketing. We do get ourselves involved. Okay. We don't just hang about and you know if we see something there's a problem we like to get in there and solve it. There but and then. I mean, I know like um you know. I've heard you mention this a few times and um, you're sort of brief, briefly mentioning it on the on the way up about like an exit strategy. Oh, nice one. And um, I was, I mean, I'm not really involved in business. I'm from, from like a TV background, so I don't really know like what a business exit strategy is. And for me, like, like if you're starting like a, a business or you're in a business, you, you sort of expect it to be like a longevity. What is the the use of an exit strategy and like how do you, how, how, how do you implement it? Well, every business should have an exit strategy, whether you start it, whether you're in it, whether you're coming to the end of it. The benefit of an exit strategy is you've got, it gives you choices. And um, if you look at an exit strategy as to what do I need to do mm. to improve the operations of the business so I can sell it and make it attractive. So if you think about it, when I stepped into the farm, um, you know, um, it was not an attractive proposition because... My brother had no holiday. He's working all hours. And financially, it wasn't that great. Mm. Okay. So he had no exit strategy. He was just doing tomorrow was the same as yesterday and the day before. And so it was quite a mundane job and so forth. So the thing is, the whole point of an exit strategy is in, th- in case things change. Now, when I went into the, far- into the farm and took over the farm, and it was, it was for 10 years, and we had an exit strategy. And had we not had the exit strategy, um, I think my parents would have actually become homeless, to be mm. honest, because financially it just, you know, there was no money in it, okay? And um, so it's all about but, making it, like, look valuable for when the, there isn't, like, an external circumstance. Well, so you're able to sort of you need sell to, it on. Or, yeah, if you need to come out of business, all right, you need to come out without debt. Yeah. All right, so an exit strategy it sure. gives you the opportunity to sell it pass it on to maybe a family member in a good state or sell it for good money so you can actually use that money to go into another business or retire on, okay? Mm-hmm. So my exit strategy on the farm was really quite simple. It was if the price of milk dropped below the level that stopped, prevented me from giving my cows the level of husbandry that I wanted to give that allowed me to sleep comfortably at night, I was out. Sure. And certainly when the price of milk dropped, because with the breakup of milk mark and, you know, and, and, and milk became very commercial and, 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 um, and uh, price led and so forth. When that dropped from 32.5p a litre to 14p a litre, there was no money in that business. Okay. And when we were hit by, um, and we didn't suffer from uh, foot and mouth and um, um, BSC, mad cow's disease on the farm, but because other farms did, that affected the price of our our, 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 our carbs, you know, yeah. and, and our produce and stuff like that. So that affected us, okay? So the thing is, the exit strategy, I came out because I did not want to run a farm that I wasn't putting my cows 
or in business, my people first. Yeah. Okay. And that is the reason why I came out. And when I did exit, the, the I, I, I've got to say, your, your grandparents were not supporting me on it. I've had the stories, yeah. But um, when I did come out, I came out and it was to secure their remainder of their life and, 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 and so forth. And two years after I'd done it, both of them had come up to me separately and said that was the best decision I ever made. And that was down to having an exit strategy. Well, I think, I think that's fantastic. And um, I think that's what we have time for. So thank you very much for um, joining us on this today's podcast. And Thank uh, you, James. Uh, yeah. thank, thank you, yeah. Cheers, <laughs> <then>. Bye. <laughs>